I'm happy to be with you here again. I'm especially happy about the next four times that we meet together because during these days we're going to be discussing something that is very important to me and I think is important to every counselor who talks to other people, the idea of preventing difficulties. You know, uh, we counselors who are on the uh, remedial side of things, from day to day, listening to the same old difficulties and the same old problems, and knowing that if only people had been warned ahead of time, and somebody had taken the time and taken the care to to help them not to go into the ways in which they are are, are moving, uh, that many of these people could have been saved untold agony in their personal lives, could have uh, saved congregations from difficulty could have saved marriages from havoc, and indeed could have, instead of wasting all the energies and all the time in their lives that they wasted with those problems, could have been using those days and those hours productively in the service of Jesus Christ. So, we're going to talk about prevention. Instead of cure, instead of uh, uh, rehabilitation, instead of uh, remedial efforts, for these uh, next five mornings starting today, we're going to talk about what you parents and Sunday school teachers and pastors can do especially to help children from going in the wrong directions at an early age uh, so that in the days to come when they become adults, they will not find themselves in the same difficulties that you and many of your friends have found themselves in. And the first topic that we're going to consider is blame shifting. Blame shifting. If there is anything that children need to be taught It is that they need to assume their own responsibilities, their own blame for what they have done wrong. Perhaps nothing brings as much agony, as much misery, and as much difficulty in a home or in later married life or in society as blame shifting. I'm not going to get into the Watergate mess where there's nothing but blame shifting. We all know about that. But let's go back to the Garden of Eden where we see the beginning of blame shifting. There it was, right back there at the beginning of the human race. What did men and women decide to do when the finger was put on them? They shifted the blame. You remember, uh, God came to Adam and he said, Adam, did you eat of that fruit? Adam said, Lord, the woman that you gave me, she. In other words, he was saying to God, now look, don't look at me. Uh, It's not my fault, Lord. Uh, You gave me a woman like that to live with, and, and it's your fault, and it's her fault. She tempted me, and you gave her to me in the first place, so don't blame me. It's not my fault. And then the Lord goes over to the woman, and he says, how about it, Eve? And Eve responds, now, the serpent, he. You see, She's shifting the blame. Adam shifts it to God and to his wife. His wife shifts it to the serpent. Now, it's true that Eve was to blame. It's true that the serpent was to blame. But it's also true that Adam was to blame, and he should have admitted it. And it's true that Eve should have admitted her blame. As a matter of fact, from the very beginning of the human race, as they fell, like a row of dominoes that you flip with a finger and the row goes down, boxcarring one domino to the next until it reaches the present generation with your grandparents, your parents, and now you and your children. There have been nothing but a generation, there has been nothing but a generation after a generation of blame shifters born. 
From the very beginning, children start shifting blame onto their brothers, their sisters, their friends, their neighbors, the teacher in school, some other kid that sits next to them, whatever it may be, but they're blame shifters. Now, we ought to realize that as parents. We ought to recognize this tendency, this sinful tendency in our children. Uh, How can you avoid it, really? Uh, The problem is that we must learn how also to cope with it how to make blame-shifting impractical and unprofitable to our children. You know, that's what it's talking about in Ephesians 6, 4, when it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and counseling of the Lord. That word discipline is an interesting word. It's a word that means structuring a life with an authority behind it that has teeth in it. That is, uh, you say, this is the way that you're going to go. This is the way you're not going to go. And if they don't go the way that you say they should go, or if they do go the way that they're not supposed to go, you must know how to back that up with the right kind of disciplinary measures that will make it extremely unprofitable for children to go in the ways that are out of accord with their parents' wishes, and hopefully those wishes are are based upon the Word of God. So what you want to do is to not only punish the wrong that a child does, but in addition, punish that child if he shifts blame from himself. So that in addition to the first sin, uh, he recognizes that the sin of blame shifting is going to have to be handled too. And it will then begin to pay off for him to pay off uh, to pay off for him if he tells the truth rather than shifts the blame if he assumes the responsibility if he's willing to admit his wrong and confess his sin and he's willing to stand up to his punishment he's going to find out that he gets one not two punishments he's going to find out that he gets the the one swat rather than the two in other words we're going to have to be always aware of this tendency within our children and to try to check it at every point so that he sees that this is not the way that he should go. For instance, if our child comes home and he says, well, now you know, I'm doing all right in math and I'm doing all right in English and I'm doing all right in science, but I've got problems with social studies and my problems are not so much the studies and they're not me, they're all my teacher's fault. You know, it's that teacher. That teacher expects too much of us. That teacher is unreasonable. That teacher this, that teacher that. Here is a kid beginning to blame his teacher. Now it's possible that the teacher may not be the kind of teacher that he or she ought to be. But I'll tell you, a parent who right away sides with a child against a teacher is rarely doing that child any good. You'll be much wiser to be very cautious before siding with a child against his teacher. Uh, After all, even then, even if the teacher is at fault, it's your job to help that child to respect the authority of that teacher. But nine times out of ten, you're in a blame-shifting situation where perhaps the teacher isn't all that pleasant to get along with, and so the kid hasn't done his work and doesn't like the teacher and has given up and then uh, blames the teacher for not doing the work that he himself should have been doing. All through life, people are going to do him wrong. He can't shift the blame for his faulty response to their wrongdoing. And early in life, that child must be taught 
that he has to handle a poor teacher. He has to handle a lousy boss. He has to handle a wife who's not always agreeable or a husband. And so we have to learn not to shift the blame when we do wrong to others who may genuinely be doing wrong themselves. So we have the problem. Fighting of children with one another, sibling rivalry, all the way down the line. Wherever it appears, work on this problem with your children of blame shifting. There is only one instance of blame shifting in the history of the world that is satisfactory. And that is when the Lord Jesus Christ shifted the blame of every Christian to himself. Not that he excused them from it, but he bore their penalty and suffered that awful death on the cross in their stead. Lord, help us because our Savior shifted our penalty to himself, always to bear the responsibility for our sin. In his name we pray, amen.